You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Pilato, joined as always by Chris Flum, and we are going to break down the New York Giants offensive line on today's podcast and you know what Chris man I'm excited because for so long growing up as a New York Giants fan over the last decade or so the offensive line has been such a point of emphasis we need to improve the tackle position we need to find a center we need to find interior offensive linemen I feel like finally for the first time since I can remember the Giants have actually found those tackles hopefully one will develop we'll get into that and they actually got this center that they can grow that that can help grow this team into a possible Super Bowl contender. That's at least the hope. But Chris, I'm pretty excited about the offensive line. Still have some work to do, but how you doing, bro? Yeah, I am. I am doing well. And I think this is, I think we're going to have more fun talking about the Giants offensive line than we have in, I would say 2016. It it, it has been a while. It's been quite a while. And I want to start with the tackle positions because holy crap, man, Andrew Thomas is wildly exciting. Top five pick in 2020. And he's developed to be arguably the best offensive tackle selected in that draft class. Tristan Wirfs, Andrew Thomas, you could take your pick. I'm very happy with Andrew Thomas as a left tackle for the New York football giants. It was a rough start. The 2020 season was a little rough. He really showed that he could be a true pro in 2021. And last year, he absolutely killed it. And he's one of the best offensive linemen in the National Football League. But we look over to the right side, a top seven pick, somebody who was selected in the top 10 at seven in last year's draft, Evan Neal. And I know he was injured a little bit last year. I do think that played a part. But is it safe to say, Chris, that the number one priority for the New York Giants offense this year, and there are a lot of priorities, but the number one priority may be the development of right tackle Evan Neal. Hopefully he hits that second year jump at Andrew Thomas hit in the 2021 season. What are your thoughts on Evan Neal heading into the 2023 season? Yeah, I, I'm i going to be very interested to see how Evan Neal plays when it counts for real like you know what first off when the pads come on during training camp that's when we'll get our first glimpse then of course during the inner squad scrimmages then during preseason and then yeah once the season starts for real i am definitely going to be looking for improvement from evan neal specifically more consistency from him because he did have flashes last year but kind of like Andrew Thomas in his rookie year it was it was the rookie roller coaster there were some highs and there were some very scary lows I I want to see him even those out more and basically trend towards the highs this year I remember last year we saw those struggles early on with Evan Neal in training camp because you brought up training camp and look, you can read certain things into training camp. They're working on different techniques, possibly they're they're uh, trying new things out. But if you remember, I think I did a post in like early August 
about Evan Neal's early struggles. And there were a lot of negative rumblings coming out about him. And that carried into the season. But coming into the NFL is difficult as an offensive tackle. We know Evan Neal coming out of IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida, going to Alabama. He played, what, right guard, right tackle, left tackle. He bounced around. Now he finally has two consecutive years at one position in the NFL. He has to adjust to the speed. I can't sit here and say that I'm confident based on the film, but I do believe, and I've said this several times, I don't want to be redundant, but I believe this is a very conscientious individual who is going to put the work in to better himself. And by all accounts, he is doing that already this offseason. So that gives me at least some some positive vibes heading into the 2023 season. And we'll start seeing it hopefully in 2023 during the training camp. And I love Kayvon Thibodeau, but I would love to see Evan Neal shut down Kayvon Thibodeau a bunch of times early in training camp to give us that that to reinforce the idea that he's going to take that second year jump. Say Kayvon or Aziz, either one, they both offer, uh, I would say some, a, a good, uh, a good spread of challenges for a young offensive lineman. Uh, Thibodeau with his good technique, his ability to plan out his rushes. And then Aziz, with just that speed and bend. If Evan Neal can win his reps against those guys, that I think would be a very good start for the season. And this is something we're going to talk about in a bit, but the Giants definitely need their offensive line to be on point this year. I would say even more than they have needed it in years past. Absolutely. It's going to be a rough schedule. We'll get into that. But before we do that, Chris, I say we transition to the interior offensive line. Now, heading into the draft, I was a little concerned with the fact that it didn't seem like the New York Giants had any long-term fixtures at either guard position or center. I think you can make an argument about left guard because of Josh Azudu and Ben Bredesen, but the center position was up in the air. You had Joe Shane talking about, hey, we have Ben Bredesen on our roster. We got Shane Lemieux. His name got thrown out there at possible center. We're like, dude, what the hell is going on? But the Giants, I picked, what, 57 in the second round. They get John Michael Schmitz at center. And I know he's a rookie. There could be some early struggles. I'm expecting some early struggles, but this is a guy who is highly intelligent. I feel like he's a very high floor type of player who didn't really have that, that many bad reps in college. I think he's just going to be a, a, a plug and play type of starter who will take his lumps early, but will develop into a really respectable starter in the NFL. I'm excited right now that the giants finally had a center. How do you feel? Uh, the same. I, I loved Weston Richburg when he was the Giants center. Uh, I know some Giants fans kind of soured on him a little bit, basically based on that last year where he started out good, then got hurt. Uh, Brett Jones came in and he played well enough, but then he got let go in free agency. Or no, sorry, he was traded away, if I remember correctly, for basically nothing. Yeah. But, you know, when Weston Richburg became the center, he basically immediately became one of the best centers in the NFL. And then, you know, his snapping hand got hurt. He wasn't able to run block quite as well as in his third year as he was his second year. And I think people kind of soured on him a little bit because of that. But since then, the Giants really haven't had anything. They've had, you know, John Halapio. They've tried Jane Lemieux. Nick Gates was, he was good until his, he broke his leg and had all that happen. But it, it really has just been kind of a revolving door where, fine has been the ceiling. And now I feel like the ceiling is one of the better starting centers in the National Football League. Now, 
he doesn't have the type of John Michael Schmitz, that is, type of athletic ability of Joe Tippmann. We've talked about that. Joe Tippmann ended up going to the Jets. But this guy still has plenty of functional mobility, and he can really reach block. And I'm, I'm excited to see how the Giants use his skill set, how the Giants run the football, because we know just going through last year's tape how much the Giants changed their offense throughout the season, and that included their rushing attack. I think John Michael Schmitz can execute any block that you ask him to, and I think he's going to be an upgrade over John Feliciano, who I felt like was was solid enough last year for the New York Giants. If you if you told me, hey, you have to have one of these plug-and-play centers over the last decade, who do you want? I mean, Nick Gates might be the first one that really comes to my mind, but Feliciano isn't that far behind. And I, I think he would be well above the guys like John Jalapio, for instance. But Chris, let's talk about the guard position. And let's first, like the right guard, we haven't spent much time on Andrew Thomas. I don't think we need to spend much time on Mark Lewinsky, just because I think he's going to be the starter at right guard. I don't know who would supplant him there. I would love for somebody to supplant him. If it were to be Josh Azudu or Ben Bredesen gets kicked to the right side, that would be excellent to get more youth there and more competency, even though I think Mark Lewinsky's ability, specifically as a run blocker, is very underrated among Giant fans and the way people talk about him on Twitter. It's just his ability and pass protection was a liability last year. Frankly, the entire right side was a liability, but he was a really, um, I, I think, an asset as a run blocker specifically from the backside of plays because he got up to the second level very quickly. He's very, very fast. He's a very athletic guard. Probably doesn't get the credit that he deserves in terms of that. If you go back to the Tennessee game, how many big blocks that he threw on the backside to spring Saquon Barkley on those long runs? I mean, he was everywhere, but he needs to improve his pass protection. But I don't think there's somebody who could take that right guard spot from him right now. So before I get to the left guard spot, do you have anything to contend with what I just said? No, but I, I do want to keep an eye on Josh Azudu just because he played so many different roles at North Carolina prior to being drafted that he, I think he does have the versatility. He could play right guard. He could serve as a pulling guard, a guy who works up to the second level, You know, do a lot of those things. And it would be great for him to take that job from Glowinski just because the that would mean the Giants have a better option than Glowinski. Like he said, like you said, he is okay. Like he is a pretty good run blocker, kind of a liability as a pass protector. And again, that is that could be a problem for the Giants going forward, especially if, if Evan Neal doesn't take the next step like we kind of hope he does, if he isn't able to realize his athletic upside on the field, then having a sophomore right tackle who's kind of still finding his way and a veteran right guard who is not pass protecting up to the level you want, that that could get a little hairy. But also having the competition, having a young guy like Azudu or uh, I suppose maybe Shane Lemieux, who knows, really push Mark Lewinsky, that I think would help improve the offensive line as a whole. Just competition, competition bringing out the best in whoever wins the job. Yeah, competition breeds success, man. I mean, I'm all about that. I, I would love to see it. I think if you want to look at the ceiling of this offensive line, Josh Azudu is starting. If you look at the ceiling, I just don't know if he's ready, especially after the neck injury. And I also don't even know how healthy he is. I haven't really heard much about that. But if you want the... 100% outcome of this offensive line being together. Josh Azudu was a starter on that because his movement skills, his his 
his grip strength, everything that he possesses when he is playing at his highest level, I feel like would surpass a Mark Lewinsky, would surpass a Ben Bredesen, but I just don't know if he can consistently reach that. And that's the issue with Josh Azudu, because we can get into the left guard spot. We have Ben Bredesen plugged in here as a starter, in part because Azudu is also injured right now. But I think Ben Bredesen has just a higher floor. He might not have that ceiling that Azudu has, but if you want to talk about just consistency and also competency, Ben Bredesen is a more competent player from what I've seen than Josh Zudu. It's just Josh Zudu was a rookie last year. So it's also, you know, you want to give give him a little bit more credit because he was a uh because he spent last season as a first year player and maybe he could take a second year jump. But right now, do you think it's safe to say if Azudu is healthy, he is the swing interior offensive lineman? Yeah, I, I would say if Azudu is healthy, he I have him down almost as like a a modern day Kevin Booth for this offensive line where you could slot him in at four or if he's been cross training at center, maybe even any of the five slots. And, you know, even if that is his ceiling as an NFL player, if he isn't able to play up to the levels, we hope he could still having a backup who can play all five positions or even four of the five positions as a third round pick, that is still a solid pick. That is an asset on game day because you know bad things happen even just not terrible things like you know a guy's shoe coming off having one player who can run on the field and play any position well enough for a series you know whatever that is incredibly useful for an offense to have because you only get so many active players on game day and you only have a 53-man roster so Anyone who can do more is just that much more useful. And we know Josh Zudu can do a ton if you go back to his time at UNC where he was playing left tackle one play and the next play he'd kick inside at left guard. It's like it's a very difficult thing to do from one play to another. But just from looking back at the 2022 season, Josh Zudu played 290 snaps last year. Remember, he, he played a lot against Tennessee. He had the huge block on one of Saquon Barkley's rushing touchdowns where he like picked up a Tennessee defender and drove him into the dirt. But we didn't really see him much until the Jacksonville game after that. And then he ended up getting hurt against Detroit and that ended the season 290 snaps. Ben Bredesen, though, he spent a little bit of the season injured as well from Jacksonville to Washington. But he came back. He played 621 snaps for the Giants. And there weren't really any games where he only played like, you know, 15 snaps or something. The only game that was like that was Jacksonville, and he ended up getting hurt early in that game. So it seemed like the Giants had more faith. Again, he wasn't a rookie. Josh Zut was in Ben Bredesen, who is still only 25 years old, which is another thing that we have to keep in mind. Now, he was drafted in 2020 in the fourth round by the Baltimore Ravens, so he's going to be a free agent soon. But this is still a very young and competent player who, if he continues to play well, I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants found a way to retain him. Yeah, he should not be expensive to retain. And he is also a player who can do quite a bit. He is a, like you say, he's a competent left guard. I would have, I would say, I'd say like he's a, a very steady, dependable guard. He's not going to be the best left guard in the NFL. He's not the second coming of Chris Snee out there. But he is steady, he is dependable, he is competent. And when you have an offensive line that functions as a single unit and not just as five players out there, the unit as a whole is going to be better than 
the sum of its parts and having good, solid, dependable linemen, guys who know their job, execute their job and are where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. That is kind of, that's kind of the glue that holds the great players together. Otherwise you just have Andrew Thomas out there, you know, shutting a pass rusher down while the center or the right side or whatever collapses and the play gets blown up. <laughs> Which hopefully we don't see this year. Before we get to our ads though, Chris, I want to talk about some of the other key reserves. We talked about Josh Azudu, but I think there are two other players that we have to acknowledge here who are key reserves. First, I think the swing tackle is probably Tyree Phillips. Now, Matt Parrott can also figure into that. I think there could be a training camp battle, but just judging by how Tyree Phillips played last year when he was given a chance, the fact that the Giants ended up getting him, I believe, from the Ravens as well. I think it's safe to say he is the swing tackle right now as we transition into training camp. Do you agree with that? Yes, probably. I think there will be a battle going on in camp among Matt Peart, Tyree Phillips, and also Devery Hamilton could figure into things a little bit because I I think the Giants do kind of like him at at least a little bit as a multi-tool backup. Like they... He found his way onto the field a fair bit last year for a guy I don't think anybody even really expected to make the roster and be active a whole lot. So he could fig- figure into this swing tackle battle, but Tyra Phillips is probably the front runner right now. Again, uh, we haven't seen much of anything from Matt Peart. Peart, sorry. And... He's either been injured or when he's been on the field, he's been getting really worked by like the Jets third string edge rusher. So that he definitely has his work cut out for him. He definitely does. And you're right about Devery Hamilton. It seemed like the Giants had respect for him last year when he stepped in. He was the player playing left tackle in preseason because Andrew Thomas obviously wasn't going to play preseason snaps and he played well, if I remember correctly. And then he played some tackle here and there during the season, just when the giants were either getting blown out or blowing somebody out or just as a big offensive lineman in their big uh, offensive line package. So Hamilton is also a name who could possibly make the roster seem like the giants at least like him. Bobby Johnson at least, at least likes him. One other player before we get to the ad break, JC Hassenauer. Now JC Hassenauer wasn't here last year. Giants bring him in from Pittsburgh during free agency, kind of an under the radar signing that happened a couple weeks or maybe like a week and a half, two weeks into free agency. But I feel like an important signing because the Giants had no centers on the roster. Again, they were talking about Bredesen, and Shane Lemieux, Jack Anderson possibly playing. But now that they have John Michael Schmitz, if something were to happen to John Michael Schmitz, I think it, I don't know if it's safe to say this because actually it's not safe to say this, but I would imagine JC Hassenauer would get that first kick at the can at playing center. But there is also a world, which might be even better, to be honest, if Ben Bredesen were to slide over to center to allow Josh Azudu to assume the left guard duties if there is no John Michael Schmitz. But either way, regardless, JC Hassenauer was brought here for a reason. And I think he will really help get John Michael Schmitz accustomed to playing center at the NFL level. You have anything on Hassenauer, bro? Yeah, I think Hassenhauer's presence, It again, it's a veteran presence. He is he has experience as a backup, as a kind of an under-the-radar roster guy. He, like you said, he can help JMS get, exper- get acclimated to the NFL, making the calls, uh, learning the language in the offense, and help him 
get used to the speed and the power at the NFL in the NFL trenches. And he also gives the Giants more options where maybe Ben Bredesen is playing well at left guard and they don't really want to move him. Maybe you know, Josh Zudu isn't ready to play a lot of snaps. They can always, if something happens, they can always just slot Hasenauer in at center and not disturb anything else. Because if you move Ben Bredesen to center, then you also have to have a backup plan that you're really comfortable with at left guard. Now, I think the Giants do have a fair amount of faith in Hasenauer because I don't know that they were bluffing when they said, we're fine with Ben Bredesen, Jack Anderson, JC Hasenauer at center if a center is not there for us to draft. Yeah, they said a lot of the same things with respect to the cornerback position back in last year's draft, the 2022 draft, and they were true to that. They had faith in Aaron Robinson, and they had faith in Darnay Holmes, and they were content to ride with those guys. So I think having J.C. Hasenauer, I think they have faith in him. They have faith in their pro scouts to get him as a street free agent from Pittsburgh. Alrighty, before we get to the rest of the backups and guys who could possibly make the roster, who will be fighting to make the roster, and also just this brutal schedule the Giants had ahead of them, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Alrighty, Chris, the Giants playing some really good defenses next year. We know, unfortunately, the NFC East is just a powerhouse of edge rushers and defensive lines with the Commanders, the Eagles, the Cowboys. I mean, you're talking about Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, who was retained, Chase Young, who's going to be back, Montez Sweat, the Eagles. I mean, how long do you have? That list is just incredibly extensive. They just have a lot of pass rushers, and they're playing the AFC East with the Jets, the Patriots, the Bills, the Dolphins. All these teams have pass rushers. It just seems like the Giants, that offensive line needs to hold up. It's going to be imperative to success this year for the Giants to give Daniel Jones 
a couple seconds to get rid of the football because a pass rush is a coming. Yeah, that when we noted in the first half of the show that the Giants offensive line might be more important than this year than it has been the last several years. This is what I was alluding to. The Giants have 11 games against what is projected to be the top eight defenses in the NFL, pretty much between the NFC East and the AFC East. You know, they've and got the 49ers. <laughs> well, that's well, that was the exception there. That was the pretty much. You know, they've got oh, two man. games against Dallas. They've got two games against Washington, two games against Philly. Then they've got the Jets. They've got the Patriots, the Bills, the Miami Dolphins, and then the 49ers as well. And it, like you were saying, there's just edge rushers galore. So that's going to test Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas, but he's already kind of passed those tests. There's also a ton of really good interior defensive linemen. You've got guys like, yeah, the uh, Mozzie Smith, who was just acquired by the Dallas Cowboys in this past draft. You've got the basically the entire Georgia defense in Philly. You've got that San Francisco defensive line. The Jets have a very good interior defensive line as well as as well as edge rushers. The Bills, it, like you like you brought up before the show started, they're getting Von Miller back in addition to having a really good interior rush and then a lot of these teams also have very good offenses as well yeah you know, pretty much the only one that doesn't have a dangerous offense well the, the only two right now are the jets and the patriots and the jets could wind up being good they do have the reigning offensive rookie of the year right now and the patriots yeah you know, the they've kind of moved on from their joe judge's co-offensive coordinator experiment which unsurprisingly did not work out but then you've got dallas with their offense uh san francisco is going to have a good offense we don't know who the quarterback's going to be but they're going to have a good offense the bills obviously have a good offense the dolphins have a good offense the eagles obviously have a good offense so the giants are going to need to be able to play offense just to keep up with them so they're probably going to have to throw quite a bit which is going to put that much more pressure on this offensive line to hold up I'm scared of the Jets offense with Aaron Rodgers there. I mean, with Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall could be back. It, it, it could be um, could be an impressive offense. We'll have to wait and see how that all materializes. But you're right, man, because if the Giants go into the third quarter down by 12 to 20 points or whatever, these pass rushers are going to be able to pin their ears back and get after Evan Neal and get after Daniel Jones. So it's a, it's a, it's a tough schedule, and we'll have to wait and see how – Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, and the New York Giants can overcome it and find ways to win football games. I trust this coaching staff, but it's not going to be as easy as it was last year when the Giants swept the AFC South. And as we said on this podcast before, you need to win division games. You can't win one division game. It's it's crazy the Giants with the playoffs winning one division game. That does not happen often. So the Giants need to find a way to steal probably week one against Dallas at home. You need to win that football game because Philadelphia, as much as I'd love the Giants to beat the Philadelphia Eagles, it's going to be a difficult game. It's not impossible, but it's definitely going to be difficult. And then the commanders, hopefully you don't tie them this year. But Chris, <laughs> let's move on to some of these other backups before we get out of here. And I think we could probably look at the interior offensive line, the backups there. Marcus McKethan tore his ACL in the black and white scrimmage. And I just saw Dan Duggan tweet recently that he is taking snaps. It's walkthrough, but he is taking snaps at right tackle. 
And I find that to be interesting because this is a mountain of a man and it would be really excellent if the New York Giants found a swing tackle late on day uh, three of the draft last year in the fifth round. If Marcus McKethan can get healthy and prove to be like, hey, I can be the swing tackle and then kind of usurp Tyree Phillips. That would be a pretty sweet, um, a pretty sweet occurrence for the New York Giants if McKethan can get healthy and actually prove that. And that's probably the number one guy I wanted to go over here because the other names like Jack Anderson is somebody the New York Giants have talked pretty extensively about. We saw him a little bit last year. He had a couple false starts. He blew a block on a screen. I feel like he is competent, but I don't know what his um I don't know if you if you want him to be a starter on your offensive line, for instance. But since we already talked about Matt Parrott and Devery Hamilton, who are the other players including Marcus McKethan, that you think are the most interesting that we have not covered in the first half of this podcast. Yeah. Well, Marcus McKethan is definitely interesting, and him taking snaps at tackle is very, very interesting because if I remember correctly, he was a right guard at North Carolina. I believe it was a right guard. Maybe it was a right tackle. No, he was a guard. He was a right guard. Oh, right. Yeah, Yeah, making me doubt myself here. And yeah. One of the things we noted on him is, yes, he is a massive human being and massively powerful, but he didn't have the greatest feet, and he didn't have the best feet for a guard. So at a tackle, that would be one hell of a transformation, especially coming off of an ACL injury. Mm-hmm. So that is going to be, I think, something to really keep an eye on for mandatory minicamp and then particularly in training camp when the pads come on and it actually matters for these guys in the trenches because, you know, basically shorts and a t-shirt with a helmet on, there's only so much you can read into that. And then Wyatt Davis, I think, is also going to be a kind of interesting to keep an eye on throughout this process simply because I, I, I liked him coming out of, I believe it was Ohio State in the draft a couple years ago. And I think he could be an under-the-radar guy to push a Josh Azudu or certainly Shane Lemieux at the guard position. He could wind up being a practice squad guy. He could not make the roster entirely. But again, he could be somebody who kind of comes out of nowhere, which we had a couple of those guys last year who come out of nowhere and just really surprise once the pads go on. We did, and I would love to have a couple guys like that. Wyatt Davis would be it, but looking at this offensive line right now, you think like maybe eight offensive linemen, nine offensive linemen, something like that, right? I don't know. I think injuries would have to happen to allow some of these lower level guys to to rise and actually make this roster. They they have a little bit of an uphill climb, which is excellent for the New York Giants right now because the Giants have uh, struggled on the offensive line, to say the least, as any Giant fan is aware of. But guys like Wyatt Davis, Jack Anderson, Devery Hamilton, Corey Cunningham, those players are on the back end of it right now. So they're going to need excellent training camps, possibly injuries ahead of them, which nobody wants to happen. But it's a reality of this game to, to possibly earn a roster spot. Hamilton is interesting, though. I think he, he might have a... He could earn that last roster spot. We'll have to wait and kind of see. But Chris, do you have anything else on the Giants' offensive line and just kind of what you expect heading into the 2023 season from this unit? Yeah, just kind of backing off 30,000-foot view. It is really great that the Giants finally have a stable, what we think will be a stable offensive line group. And 
for the most part, except for Mark Lewinsky, they're young. They should be able to stay together, particularly if the Giants retain Ben Bredesen, which I don't think will be difficult. And maybe if Josh Azudu is able to break into the starting lineup, they should be able to stay together for years to come. But for this year, the one thing I do want to keep in mind, and you brought up injuries a couple times so far, the Giants are at, I believe it's a nine-day rest disadvantage over compared to their opponents this year. So paying attention to the backups, paying attention to the depth is going to be very important. And there are very, very few teams in the entire NFL, maybe less than a handful, that actually have depth that they are comfortable with. For the most part, (laughs) and I think UPS is here a little bit early, (laughs) but for the most part, if a starter gets hurt, that team is holding its breath. And the Giants really are, or they may only be, one injury and a ding away from being right back where they were. So having these guys, the under-the-radar guys, you know, Devery Hamilton, Tyree Phillips, Josh Azudo, having these guys really compete and win their backup jobs, I think it's going to going to be almost as important as how the how the starters play. I think you're absolutely right, Chris. And thank you everyone for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. We are excited about the offensive line heading into the 2023 season for the first time in a long time. But if you guys want to support us, please like, subscribe, comment on this podcast, wherever you get this podcast, and also head on over to bigblueview.com to check out all of our written content extensively covering the New York football giants. Thank you, everyone, and have a lovely day. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.